Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host Icy Cedric, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Well, hello there. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a subscriber and this is a repeat visit, welcome back. So as we're still in the latter half of February, it seemed only right to look at the folklore of violets because this pretty little purple plant is actually the birth flower for February. And obviously it's been forever linked with the month through the common roses are red, violets are blue, Valentine's phrase. Now, also known as Wild Pansy, Call Me To You and Kiss Me At The Garden Gate, among many, many others, Violets have some very sweet stories and superstitions behind them. And unlike the poisonous plants that I usually feature, these plants are largely a positive woodland fixture. So come with me and let's explore the folklore of violets. Now we'll have a look at some origin myths first. So according to Roman myth, Venus, the goddess of love, got into an argument with her son Cupid. She demanded to know who he found more beautiful, her or a group of girls. We're not even going to go into how inappropriate that is. But anyway... Cupid chose the girls, and apparently Venus got so angry about it that she actually beat the girls until they were blue, and as a result they turned into violets. So this connection with the goddess of love made them a regular fixture in love potions, which seems like a bit of an odd way of doing things, considering the fact that she's what turned them into violets, but you know, this is origin myths. Anything can happen. And elsewhere, violets are also associated with modesty. So when Apollo was relentlessly pursuing one of Diana's nymph friends, rather than having a go at her brother for not taking no for an answer, Diana turned the nymph into a violet to protect her virtue. We're going to hop over to ancient Greece for a second. And apparently it was violets that Persephone was picking when Hades kidnapped her and took her off to the underworld. So, you know, less of a positive connotation there, perhaps. But violets were also the emblem of Athens. And according to one legend, the city's founder, Ion, was on the way to Attica when he met some water nymphs, and they gave him bunches of violets to show him that he had their favour. And violets also apparently sprang up wherever obvious ladies loot. Now, we can't do Greek stories without mentioning Zeus, because he is in most of them. And he fell in love with a nymph called Io. Now, fearing his wife Hera's wrath, which, to be honest, wouldn't be surprising considering how many extramural affairs he had, he turned Io into a white heifer so he could hide her from Hera's view. Obviously, Io wasn't massively pleased with this turn of events, and she actually cried at having to eat such coarse grass instead of the food she was used to. Zeus took pity on her, and he turned her tears into violets so she had something nice to eat, and apparently only she was permitted to eat them. And some people think that that's possibly why the Athenians actually favoured the violets so much. Now, obviously, these are stories explaining where violets came from, but the Romans and Greeks also associated violets with funerals and death. And they often covered children's graves in violets because the flowers represented modesty or they might scatter the flowers near the tombs. Some believe that's where the link between violet or purple and mourning comes from because of the fact that you've got this link between this sort of like modest, shy plant and mourning. Elsewhere, there's a biblical connection because the violets were supposed to have sprung from Adam's tears after he was kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Other people believe that violets actually first bloomed when Gabriel came to Mary to tell her that she was pregnant. And at the point when she says, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord, that's when the violet actually blossoms, and some people still call it Our Lady's Modesty as a result. 
And generally, wherever you see the violet in Christian art, it's usually there to represent Mary's humility. There are actually quite a lot of stories about violets and sort of Christian stories. And one tale recalls that the violet was actually white right up until the crucifixion. And at that point, they actually turned purple to show their support for Mary while she was mourning. And in the Middle Ages, people actually believed that violets stood upright up until the crucifixion. But then they bowed their heads in the shadow of the cross and that's why they droop the way that they do. And then there's another story that violets actually started to to droop rather than stand upright because they turned away when the infant Jesus passed them. And that helps to explain the phrase shrinking violet because they look like quite a shy flower. Now, one of the many, many nicknames for violets, and obviously I covered a few of them at the start of the episode, is heart's ease. Now, this comes from the fact that there was a a belief in medicine that a plant told you what it was for through the colour or the shape or some pattern on it in some way. So walnuts were believed to cure brain-related issues because they look like brains, and there's a plant called pulmonaria, otherwise known as lungwort, which could cure lung problems because its leaves look like diseased lungs. And incidentally, both of those do actually have some basis in fact as well. Now, violets have heart-shaped leaves, so people thought that meant you could use it to treat heart disease. Elsewhere, it also appears as an aphrodisiac, um, possibly due to the connection with Venus, and steeping violet flowers in hot water made it a sort of tea that would apparently help ease heartbreak as well. So while on one hand it's in love potions, it's also then in potions to help when love goes sour. There is some evidence that it's actually a useful flower because it contains salicylic acid, which is otherwise known as aspirin. So it does actually make a decent painkiller. And ancient Britons also used it in beauty lotions and salves. And you still find violet in perfumes and cosmetics and all that kind of thing, even now. I can't think of violets without thinking of the horrible sweets palmer violet. Um, Tweet me at A.C. Sedgwick if you remember those. But oh god, they were awful. Anyway, violets are still used in love magic now and they can be worn as an amulet to increase your chances of attracting love and if you go to my website you'll see a link to wikipedia and they actually recommend combining violets with lavender for a bumper effect now we're going to take a slight detour away from folklore just for a tiny little wee second to look at a historical connection and that's napoleon he took quite a special interest in the violet and actually gave them to his wife josephine and took them on as his personal emblem and this was quite useful for him because while he was on elba in exile he told his friends that he'd return to france when the violets bloomed in the spring so they decided to use violets as a means of determining who knew about the conspiracy and who didn't so if you were asked do you like violets and you said yes or no you were obviously just answering it as an actual question and it meant that you knew nothing of his plot to return if, on the other hand, you said, eh, bien, I'm assuming I pronounced that properly, French is not one of my languages, it meant that you were loyal to Napoleon's cause. So when he did re-enter Paris in 1815, after he escaped from Alba, admirers threw violets across his path, and it became an act of sedition to wear violets after Waterloo because of this connection. So we're going to go back to superstitions about violets, and if you dream of them, it means that you'll soon receive a fortune. Some think it also means that you'll marry someone younger than you, And other people think that you should carry violets to ward off evil spirits. So if you're single and looking for love and also want to keep bad spirits away, basically violets are the thing that will kill two birds with one stone. There was a custom in rural Germany to put violets on the bridal bed, but also around the cradle of baby girls. And there was a similar connection because the ancient Greeks and Gauls also put flowers on the bridal bed because it represented virginity. And in Thuringia, people actually believed that the violet was so powerful it could repel the dark arts. 
That may be because of its connection with the Virgin Mary, but who knows. If you give violets to a woman, you're actually giving her good luck, which is quite nice. And some people believe that if you wore violets around your head, usually in some form of wreath, you could actually avoid dizziness. Although, while all these sound quite nice, there was a belief that if violets bloomed during the autumn, an epidemic would follow. Given the fact that they're a spring plant and they often come up sort of in February and March, it's possibly the connection comes from the fact that if you had them coming up in the autumn, it implied that maybe it rained more or something, or there'd be some weather problem that would then make disease more likely. But obviously, the superstition remains. Now, you can't talk about flowers and not talk about the Victorian language of flowers, because it's everywhere. And in floriography, blue violets meant I'll always be true. White violets meant that you want to take a chance on happiness. And yellow violets meant modesty. And in all cases, it sort of meant faithfulness if you sent violets to someone. Now, there is a bit of a weird legend that you can only smell violet flowers once. And this isn't true, but there is a compound in its scent called ionine, which can actually temporarily deaden smell receptors, so it turns off your ability to smell it for short periods of time, which might actually help to explain that particular superstition. Now, we're going to go back to the Romans to bring this all full circle, and they actually thought that drinking wine made from violet blossoms would stop them getting drunk. This is one thing, but then you've also got to look at the fact that they thought that wearing wreaths of violet flowers the morning after would alleviate the hangovers. So you do think, well, it can't really have worked very well to drink it if you had to then wear the wreath the next day. There is a possible connection with the colour purple here, mind, because some people believe that if you wear amethyst, again, it can prevent overindulgence in alcohol. So perhaps there's some kind of correspondence going on there. Now, whatever you think of them, violets are quite shy little flowers, but alongside snowdrops, they do make a wonderful addition to British woodlands. And if you would like to grow your own, there is a link on my blog post to them from The Guardian. So that's it. If you want to have a look at any of the additional links to other books or any of the images and so on, if you go to www.icysedgwick.com forward slash violets hyphen folklore, you'll be able to find everything there. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com, and that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images, and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead, and I'll see you soon. Cheerio!